All right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by the doctor amongst men, Duncan Joyce. How's things going, Duncan? Joined! <laughs> Lee, I'm very happy to be back again. How are you doing? I am not too bad, not too bad. I've um, watched a hell of a lot of wrestling recently, none of it modern, but a hell of a lot. How about yourself? I was very slow to catch up on uh, modern wrestling recently. SummerSlam weekend also just happened to be the weekend I went on holiday. So it took me a while to get around to it, but there were patches that I found really enjoyable. There were patches that I skipped, which I don't usually do, but um, reading the reviews, I think I did the best thing there. Um, And yeah, it's been good. This is the um, the first time I think in oh, probably five or six years that I didn't even bother clicking on SummerSlam or NXT the, that weekend that didn't even try and watch anything. Oh, madness. I, I enjoyed every match on NXT, I have I've, to say. I've really fallen out of love with it in the past year, really since the, um, since the move, um, all the spoilers, the longer show... Um, the butchering of characters when they go up to the main roster they've just they've really spoiled it for me i think the um i I probably fell out with it towards like just after the um gargano chumper feud that feels like about the last thing i was really invested in i grew very tired of that feud quite quickly um it was a bit of a character assassination for johnny gargano i think yeah, yeah. Um, but watch tons of old wrestling. I actually um, signed up to Impact Plus so I can start reviewing um, some of the early TNA shows very soon. So that was highly enjoyable. Um, as my one of my last episodes, I, I watched 10 Royal Rumble matches. So that was a bit of a slog. And um, just put the episode out recently with Richie after watching On the Mat and Louis Threw's Weird Weekends at WCW. Oh, I am. I'm going for a walk after this, and I am going to have that on while I'm walking around. I'm really looking forward to that one. Lou Ferru is a very, very big presence in our household <laughs> here. We we love him, and um, apparently, I do a good impression <laughs> of him. I could see that. <laughs> um, really. <laughs> But yeah, no, I've watched a ton of wrestling recently um, and yeah, found myself quite enjoying a fair bit of it. So um, lots more podcasts to come. Um, speaking of enjoying wrestling, actually, we're here to watch the September 30, 1999 episodes of SmackDown and Thunder. And you'll get a laugh out of this, Duncan. After we did our last review, we recorded, what, say a month, six weeks ago, maybe? Sounds about I right, yeah. I was so like chuffed with that episode of SmackDown. I immediately watched the next episode. Then I started Thunder and turned it off in disgust. And you messaged me earlier this week and you're like, hey, I'm ready. And I'm like, oh, shit, I've got to watch the show. So I went and got my notebook out. And I'm like, oh, hang on a minute. I've already watched SmackDown. And oh, not this Thunder. I had to slog through the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised to see such a short runtime for SmackDown. I got to be honest. And then I saw what the headline angle is, and I got really, really excited. <laughs> um, the ratings, by the way, just to show that it's not just me that felt this way. SmackDown came in at a 4.1, and Thunder a 1.24. Jesus Christ! I wasn't the only one that felt this way. Wow. 
out of curiosity, which show did you watch first? <laughs> well, I was a good boy and I watched Thunder first like I was supposed to. <laughs> you always do it that way and I always cheat. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because the best way for me to watch Thunder is with you telling me you're ready to record. <laughs> 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 my wife uh, has a monthly book club and she always leaves it till the, like, the weekend of the book club to read the book because she's a really fast reader and she'll just forget. So <laughs> I'm used to that behaviour, <laughs> yes. Well, with all that being said, I reckon we head over and um, get through Thunder. What do you reckon? <laughs> Let's take a look, yeah. team of Mike Tanay and Larry Zabisco, and we start with some cruiserweight action. It's Hubertude Guerrero, uh, Psychosis, who has now been unmasked, and L.A. Parker, taking on Silver King and Vicanos, who I have never heard of before this. It's Villano 4 and Villano 5. They're a pretty storied family in Lucha Libre, um, and they probably ruined their notoriety outside of Lucha Libre by having such generic names. Tanay was mentioning that Villano 4 uh, actually broke his neck last year, and this is his first match. Fair enough. Um, Spoiler alert, this won't be the last name that I don't recognise going through this show. Um, Match gets started with an awesome dance from L.A. Parker. He cracks me up, um, but he eats a super kick for his troubles. Um, We get some comedy mix-ups by Silver King and his team. Hoovertude with a uh, springboard dropkick. The commentary team tells us that Goldberg flattened Sid's car on Monday on Nitro. And, um... (laughs) Oh, my God! 22! Hey, Moses, where's my... Uh, Space 22, man. 22. 22! Oh, man! Oh, team mix-ups at one point in this match one of the villanos propped Lepaka up in his own team's corner on the top rope why on earth would yeah, you do this that was a, um, a strange match where logic went out the window <laughs> we got a tilt world backbreaker from silver king and a spinning ddt for a two um the villanos with a double gut buster and then some stack up dives um, Psychosis with a top rope leg drop picks up the Duke with the one, two, three. Um, this was good, but a little bit clunky. But um, the highlight was just seeing La Parker for me. He was um, pretty hilarious. La Parker was also my highlight of this match for me. His dancing was kind of naff, but his high flying was fantastic. You mentioned there was a, a sort of cavalcade of dives at some point in the match. La Parker 
downed the whole pile with a really cool corkscrew plancher. That was probably the highlight of the match for me. Um, like we said, there's a few oddities in this one. At one point near the finish, Psychosis was allowed to tag back into the match from the opposition's corner, which was super strange. Yeah, this was um, a little bit, a little bit clunky, but I actually um, Laparka's dancing was the highlight for me. <laughs> <coughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I enjoyed this one. I couldn't get a hold of the rhythm, but I still like the action. Next up, we go to Adrian Bird versus Norman Spi- Smiley, and um, this was a pretty dull back and forth match. I really um, checked out. I actually nodded off a little picture in this. One. Um, the highlights that I do remember was a Norman Smiley butterfly suplex for a two, and a Cobra clutch. Um, and this one for me actually was so dull. I ranked it a five out of ten on the Hammerlock scale. Oh, no. <laughs> so I, I can probably fill you in a little bit more on this. So I made note of the music at the start here. It sounded like it was Pearl Jam ripoff versus B-level virtual tennis menu music. <laughs> well, that's a blast from the past. <laughs> Speaking of blast from the past, Tanay is on eggshells trying to talk about Lex Luger, Lex Luger because... Elizabeth started this edict that you had to call him the total package from now on. Oh, I vaguely remember this where they just basically did a WWE and stopped calling him by his name for a while. (laughs) Call me by your nickname. (laughs) We then go to Mean Gene with Mona, who's complaining about the cheating from Brandy Alexander last week. And sure enough, she gets jumped in the aisle and we go to our next matchup, Mona versus Brandy Alexander with a rematch from last time out. Yeah, who would have sanctioned this? <laughs> Where's J.J. Dillon when you need him? Busy man in Goldberg's dressing room, I'm going to assume. <laughs> oh, hang on, well, no, 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 I'm thinking, that's not J.J., God, what am I talking about? Ignore me. <clears throat> oh, yeah, I know who you mean, uh, Doug Dillinger. That's who I meant. Speaking of keeping <clears throat> busy, Mean G mentioned that he calls the WCW hotline every day. Wait to fluff your own numbers, mate. <laughs> Oh, and just back to that previous match, um, I loved Mike Tanay said that both men had limited success in WCW. <laughs> you could say that about just about everybody that appears on this show bar one person. I know. It was such a generic match, but one other thing I made note of was um, Adrian Bird's tights. He was wearing purple, and I quipped, purple makes Bird's pecker look prominent. <laughs> Glad I nodded off. <laughs> uh, this match gets up to uh, out, out to a pretty quick start. Actually, we get a nice jawbreaker from Brandy. Uh, chokes her with her gloves. Mona, of course, in WCW would wear the like the prom gown and, and gloves. Um, bit of a beatdown slows it down for a while before Mona comes back with a nice looking fez press and a top rope hurricane runner for a one two three in a match that didn't outstay its welcome. Yeah, I don't think this was quite as good as the previous week's match that they had. Um, Mona was very Tito Santana in her promo, saying, oh, I'll give it my best, I'll give it 100%. But I, I kind of appreciated how different the opening going was here. Um, it, it was a bit too much of Mona having to fight from underneath, but once she got control of the match and just blitzed, Brandy with all of her best offense, that's when it got really good for me. Definitely. 
We then go to our next matchup, which is Dean Roll versus Frankie Lancaster. <laughs> no, you're not watching um, NWA from the 1986 um, studio show. This is definitely Thunder. Um, first note here is... Um, Frankie Lancaster looks like the illegitimate love child of Hardcore Holly and Norman Smiley. <laughs> I put Lancaster looks like Bob Holly came back from the future to kick his own ass. <laughs> and my second note is WCW. How fucking dare you put this match on TV and make us watch it? <laughs> yeah, this is apparently this is Dean Roll's first <clears throat> match on North American television. Nobody else has lowered themselves to giving Dean Roll a match, but WCW will oblige. <laughs> My next note is, I got angry. I was so angry watching this. I'm like, this is the least interested I've ever been watching any match for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we get started with some crickets and tumbleweed. <laughs> and um, the match ends abruptly when Scott Norton turns huge baby face in my eyes when he comes out and power bombs both these jabronis to end the match. <laughs> Fucking stiff power bombs too. Oh my lord. What were they thinking? How, like how on earth are we a month or so into SmackDown and WCW thinks this is okay? Yeah, this is. They seem to kind of switch places between whether they want to prioritize Saturday night or whether they want to prioritize Thunder. And Thunder gets the rather uh, low level lineup this week. This is not even like a, you know, <laughs> this is not a shotgun Saturday night lineup, let alone a fucking Thunder. <laughs> did you spot Norton still got NWO on his trunks? Yeah, I did actually. It's uh, right on, on on the back. It's like he's left the tag on. God. Leave the memories alone. <laughs> he um he cuts a promo and he wants Goldberg. We go to a commercial and we come back and Gene is on the ramp with Goldberg. I'm like, this commercial break, they must have passed each other in the hallway. Why didn't they just talk face to face? <laughs> Did you spot the big old plant in the crowd that had the oversized Game Boy Color box of WCW Mayhem? No, I didn't. That sounds awesome. <laughs> just massive. Like, yes, I'm sure you carried that into the arena yourself, fully intact. <laughs> Nobody gave it you. Speaking of the arena, by the way, the it's like this kind of like squat but tall building, and so the hard cam is quite a bit higher up in the bleachers than I'm used to, and it's kind of disorienting. Yeah, actually, I did notice that now that you mention it. Goldberg, of course, with Gene, um, accepts the challenge. Um, it's a bang average promo. He basically says he's going to beat up Scott Norton and then calls out Sid. I'll splice it in for you right about here. Here tonight on Thunder, Goldberg just moments ago, right here, we heard a challenge from Scott Norton, and I want to get your response. <laughs> you know, Gene, week after week, I've shown up and I've stepped in this ring, and I've met these challenges head on. And Norton, you've been in Japan. You've been beating many guys up night after night. And you and I know each other. We've been in the ring before. So, you know what you're up against, and so do I. So tonight, I grant your wish. 
if it means dropping you and putting you among the long list of people I've demolished, then so be it. One other thing. Hey, Sid. The clock's ticking. You don't have much time left. So tonight, I want you to watch very hard and very close to what I do to Norton. Because the fate that falls on him will be the same fate that falls on you. And what did you think about that one, Duncan? It's basically just um, get in, right, I'm here, I've done my job, pay me now, promo. Yeah, did it feel like he was phoning it in on this episode, or is that just Goldberg? Like, I've lost track now. <laughs> um, yeah, there's little bits of it. Um, I don't think his opponent kind of helped either, which we'll get to. Yeah. We then go to our next match, and things are not getting much better. It's Hugh Morris and Brian Nobbs, the first family with Jimmy Hart, taking on the Blue Bloods, which is um, Taylor and Regal, out with Fit Finley, who's got frosted tips and a sparkly shirt. What, what am I watching? I just don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> we, Kyle and I, on our most recent episode, we're talking a lot about heel versus heel stuff, because we've got uh, Angle and Triple H fighting each other. I'm just trying to follow the logic of this here. So the, the Blue Bloods, the aristocrats, uh, I don't know, they're supposed to be the face in this? Because today's talking about what a miracle it is that Finley's even walking because Nobbs severed some nerves in his legs putting him through a table back in June. So you figured, oh, right, well, he's on the comeback trail. He's the, the good guy in this. And Jimmy Hart's first family always came across as heels to me, but... I think the reverse kind of happened in this match. Yeah, I couldn't make heads or tails of it. Uh, we get a Hugh Morris backdrop, and then Nobbs does the pit stop to Regal, and this this episode of Thunder even made me dislike something Regal did. His facials here were way too over the top for my liking. Regal's normally got excellent facials, but he just... Yeah, he definitely did it for Rosie in this one. I, I kind of enjoyed it. It's his... Um... Do you remember the Duchess's Queensbury rules match and he landed on her lap and he, he started, like, palpitating and stuff? It reminded me of that. Yeah, it did. It just seemed that this one went for quite a bit longer. Like, he just, you know, held the face quite a bit too long for me. Um, but neither here nor there. They brawl on the outside. Um, Fit Finley gets removed for trying to interfere. Um, we get a quite cold tag to Hugh Morris, a four-man brawl. And then Morris hits his quite impressive moonsault, which is about the only highlight of the match for the one, two, three. This was another dud for me. Um, my my summary was clunky and boring. Why would they do this to us? Yeah, there's just been, like, if you, if you look at, you know, so far, the run of matches we've got, Mona and Brandy wasn't that great. But if you, I mean, it was short smidged either side of that is Adam Bird, then Dean Roll and Frankie Lancaster, then this. And now we're going to go in a moment into a match with another, like, a complete nobody. This is just awful, awful stuff. Yeah, I feel like they figured, oh, Goldberg's here so they can trade off some of the genuine mid-card talent, but spoilers, they can't. Um, this was another tag match where it was, there were some oddities here. Did you see 
Dave Taylor head scissored Regal into doing a senton on knobs. Yeah, which is just a bit weird. It's very weird. I can't believe Taylor also tried to springboard and he pulled up way short. <laughs> Not anyone's best outing here. Not at all. And then the final bit of clunkiness was, uh, who was it? Morris was doing a te- 10 punch in the corner when Nobbs was looking to do a double whip spot, but then they managed to get it done anyway. Just no real communication in this match. None at all. We then go to another another promo segment. It's Mean Gene with The Revolution. And at this point, my head exploded thinking you had Douglas, Satin, Malenko and Benoit in the building. <laughs> Instead, we watch fucking Horace Hogan and um, Dean Roll fight tonight. Like, honestly, what is going on? I have got my fingers and toes crossed that this is going to be a double thunder taping and next week is when we're going to get all of those gentlemen wrestle. Oh, please. Um, it's just a quick promo segment. The basic storyline here is Saturn is having a go at Shane Douglas because he used a chain against Eddie Guerrero, and that goes against their code of honor. Shane Douglas apologizes, and they cut their catchphrase and all join back together. It's a pretty nothing promo, um, but I'll splice it in for the fact that, you know, you can check if you think Shane Douglas is being disingenuous, and this should be leading to a heel turn later on. I think you come up with a very valid point there, Mike, today. You did the unthinkable a week and a half ago when you used the chain on Eddie. Shane, when we started this, we agreed to get by on our athletic ability. That crap you pulled in Cincinnati is not going to cut it. The revolution is going to follow a code of ethics, and you'll adhere to them or you're out. A little dissension amongst the ranks here, Shane Douglas. Gene, you've known me for over 10 years. I've known you guys for most of my career, and you know that sometimes I get a little bit excited. I like being successful. My career has been marked by being a success. I plan on doing the same thing here at World Championship Wrestling. But I owe you guys an apology. Gene, I owe you an apology, and I owe WCW an apology. You owe the fans an apology. Yes, I do. And from the bottom of my heart, I am sincerely and genuinely sorry. You're right. We are going to adhere to a code of ethics here. The fans know that standing side by side, no one can stand against the revolution. Do you agree with me? You cannot stop greatness. You cannot stop great athletes. You cannot stop a revolution. And if you guys are willing to let bygones be bygones and raise the hand with me, these people will know that the revolution still stands. Let's raise them. Out with devolution. How about that? Apparently deciding United, they stand divided to fall. Revolution back in business again. Thunder on TBS, and we're going to be right back. Mm, I thought it was notable. Shane said, his career has been marked by being a success. Okay, sure, mate. Dean Douglas. 
Formula <laughs> yes, champion. Yes, I guess so. <laughs> um, do you know why the what the context of this is? Why Douglas is is desperate to kind of kind of book the code here? Well, um, no. what's it called? Fall block. Fall brawl was a couple of weeks ago, and all of Revolution were in matches on that show, and none of them won at all. It completely duck egged it. <laughs> that is not a good night at the office. No, not at all. Speaking of not a good night at the office, we go to our next matchup, and it's a debuting Luther Biggs with Coach Buzz Stern, and he'll be taking on Bobby Eaton, who absolutely drew the short straw on this show. I did not expect Bobby Eaton, God rest his soul, to still be in a job by this point. No, he was a bit of a WCW lifer in the end, wasn't he? Yeah. Did you spot when Biggs was coming out, someone accidentally played the promotional consideration paid for by the following message? No, I didn't. It's like someone was trying to maybe watch a Slim Jim commercial or try and motivate themselves through this match. <laughs> so, for for those that haven't been keeping up, Luther Biggs is actually the um the graduate from the the vignettes with Coach Buzz Stern, who was looking for a protege in previous episodes, um, and he's making his big debut here. He's in what looks like creator wrestler generic attire that you get before you're able to go to the, the, the shop and buy real real wrestling clothes on one of the video games. <laughs> he um he opens a match up with a hip toss and then shakes his ass about for the world to see in celebration, does a drop toe hold and celebrates some more. Um, the crowd are not buying this and nor am I. It is boring as shit. <laughs> Um, he hits a slam, and we see here that the crowd has sat on their hands despite the pops for all the moves going on somehow. Uh, Luther Biggs then gasses out just mid-match, just decides he's too tired to go on. So Bobby Eaton hits him with a neckbreaker for the one, two, three. Coach Buzz Stern's pissed off, comes in and locks a full Nelson on Bobby Eaton, and then one on Luther Biggs too. This absolutely fucking sucked, and it gets a full 7 out of 10 on the Hammerlock scale for me. Whoa. This is a total dud, wasn't it? I think on that free count at the end, it kind of looked like Stern was supposed to break it up and mistime some things. Oh, they botched it, but didn't they? Absolutely. What is this amateur hour bullshit, and why is the second biggest wrestling company in the world doing it? I don't know, but um, it doesn't even get any better. <laughs> like this is um. <laughs> The next fucking match is Horace Hogan versus Brad Armstrong. Are they even trying to put an entertaining show on? Or is someone, like, pissed off with someone else and decided, if you want a shit show, I'm going to give you a shit show. This is quite possibly the worst episode of primetime TV that aired in, like, the Attitude Era, Monday Night Wars. Like, this is just awful. Hey, now, don't don't go slacking on BA there. Tanae says he's on a big winning streak. Brad Armstrong's a great wrestler, but he was relevant 10 years prior. Like, come on. Yeah, I I get the Armstrong brothers mixed up the whole time. Um, So, yeah, this is a lad, him and one of his other brothers were like a team in the early 90s, right? Yeah. um, Oh, is it Scott Armstrong, maybe? I I think it might be Scott. Maybe. Okay, they're like the, the Southern boys or something, right? Yeah, and Brad Armstrong was 
around in like the WCW light heavyweight title era, feuding with like Bri- Fly and Brian. Like it's literally early nineties. Um, Brad Armstrong was relevant. You know, like think back to <laughs> Arn Anderson locking um, Eric Watts in the STF in the car park in the in the um, gas station. Like that's the era that Brad Armstrong's from. <laughs> I've been uh, catching up with New Blood Rising podcast. I was very happy to hear those kind of stories. <laughs> it's just, um, yeah, too little too late here. Um, BA with a 10 punch and a drop kick and an arm drag. They brawl on the outside for a while. Horace Hogan hits a clothesline and a suplex before um, Brad Armstrong hits a Russian leg sweep for the one, two, three. Um, talk about moves that shouldn't be getting fit. Um, pinfalls in 1999 oh man like take it away duncan <laughs> but he did the float over league didn't that deserve some extra points oh mike today tells us nobody floats over better than brad armstrong oh wow that'd be like <laughs> that'd be like saying you've got the most devastating lockup <laughs> yeah this match was a float or all right as in a turd that you can't flush <laughs> and it's not coming off the back of a hot wind streak if you can't tell no, not at all. <laughs> the biggest uh, piece of news to come out from this was today telling us the total package was going to wrestle Bret Hart at Halloween Havoc. Oh, my Lord. <sighs> That's about probably five years too late as well, but I would be interested to see how it went. Um, Luger and the Wolf Pack at least was over a little bit. Yeah, I suppose. I'm trying to get my timeline right because... Bischoff is not long for this world, and I'm kind of wondering. I remember reading in the Nitro book, he pitched a storyline where he wanted to, kind of like Vince and the limo, like 10 years later, he wanted to kind of fake his own death and make out that he like died in a helicopter crash and was haunting all the WCW superstars, and Turner were just like, what the fuck are you on, mate? Yeah, I think they said something along the lines of um, we can't put that on the news and fake it. <laughs> like, we'd have to, you know, say it's not true. Um, I, I want to say, I could be wrong. Uh, my memory's getting fuzzy, but I want to say Bischoff might already be gone by this point because Russo's in within a month now. Um, and I'm certain he walks in and um, Bischoff isn't there when he gets there. So we may be sort of in this holding pattern between the two of them. Yeah, I feel like Halloween Havoc was the first show where Russo and Ferrara actually had the book. Um, But like you say, Bischoff was gone by that point. But I feel like that was kind of expedited. Like they they weren't supposed to actually properly come in and take control of storylines for another month or so. But they, they brought it forward out of desperation. We then go to our next matchup, which is the West Texas Rednecks. And I sometimes like to, just so I can start taking notes on the match, like I'll flick down to the, um, you know, the bar that you can skip to certain matches on and I'll just write down who's in the match. And I saw um, Rednecks versus Rey Mysterio and Billy Kidman. And I saw that it was Kendall Windham and Curly Bill. And I'm like, who the fuck is Curly Bill? I have no idea who that is. And out walks fucking Virgil. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just didn't think this could get any worse. And it's Cowboy Virgil. <laughs> 
this takes me back to probably right around after I finished my PhD and Funder still wasn't on the network. So I'd just seek out random YouTube uploads of it to like try and get me to sleep. And when I first saw Virgil as Curly Bill, I lost my fucking mind. I'm like, he's a bald guy. What is this shit? Or even um, Zabisco says, how come all the bald guys always get called Curly? <laughs> oh my word um, They come out with Kurt Hennig um, Kendall Windham with a nice slam And Ray with a 10 punch spot Kendall Windham with a clothesline And another slam um, we, Oh sorry Vincent with a slam Curly Bill Ray with a springboard drop kick And then a hot tag to Kidman who cleans house We get a super back suplex from Kendall Which is really nice for a 2 But Ray makes a save the heels double team on the floor while the referee is distracted. Then Kendall Wyndham hits a suplex before Billy Kidman hits a springboard bulldog. We have a quick four-man brawl and Ray with a top rope Hurricane Rana picks up the one, two, three. Um, this was a little better than everything else that's gone on. Ray and Kidman didn't get into top gear, but them at half pace is better than almost everybody else on this show. Now, pretty paint by numbers for the most part, but at least the finish was kind of decent. Uh, that Hurricane Rana was a result of Kidman elevating Ray into it, um, which was really cool. Uh, they go on to use that spot quite a bit. R- remember, like when we started this storyline, and the rednecks and the the animals were like at loggerheads then, and that was actually quite a, a decent match. Now you fast forward like a few weeks later and it just goes to show you even in his current state, things just go to shit without Barry Windham. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this just felt like a a bit of a downgrade from last time around, but a massive upgrade on the rest of this show. (laughs) (laughs) We then go to our main event, which is Scott Norton taking on Goldberg. This one is not a long match. They brawl in the ring for a moment they brawl on the floor for a moment then scott norton rams goldberg's head into the post three times in a row which goldberg no sells they go back in the ring norton hits a brutal short clothesline before goldberg basically gives up selling spears him hits him with a jackhammer for the one two three good night scott norton and your main event push right which you think came first did norton phone in this useless performance because he knew he was returning just to get squashed by Goldberg or did he get squashed by Goldberg because he'd returned from Japan and that's the best match that he can muster I don't know like to me Scott Norton was pretty fiery in his promo and showed some like good fire but he was only allowed to do like three moves and Goldberg no sold them anyway I I kind of want to put the blame for this under Goldberg Or probably more accurately, I mean, he's got lots of people in his ear by this point, let's just say. Um, he's probably just pissed that he has to work thunder. Yeah, that would not shock me. <laughs> the only other thing of note was, my God, the roid belly on Norton. Oh, yeah, he was a, he was a big, beefy lad at this point. <laughs> But yeah, that'll do it for Thunder, and I'm going to put this uh, on the table. I don't think we need to vote at the end of this show. That's the (laughs) the worst fucking episode I've ever watched. 
terrible. Love, I, I <laughs> loved. I wouldn't go that far, but I mean, compared to the rest of this shit, but the Lucha tag match at the start was all right, and Mona and Brandy was decent if they kind of downgraded on last week's show. But everything else, Jesus Christ, what a shambles! The bitch you just highlighted equate to about seven minutes of an hour and a half. Oh my god! Yeah, that's um. That's a halfway point of the show, and I think we need to lighten the mood up around here a little bit. Peace, God. Peace, God. Now the shit is explained. I'm taking niggas on a trip straight through memory lane. It's like that, y'all. It's like that, y'all. It's like that. Halftime this week, I actually was going to um, run by you. Have you been watching the the um, wrestling show Heels? I've not, no. Um, I don't know if there's a way to legally watch it yet. Um, it's on Stars in America, right? I don't know. It's on a streaming service called Stan down here, um, which is a, an Australian uh, streaming service, so I doubt anyone else gets it. But my wife and I watched the first couple of episodes this week, and it's actually really enjoyable. Yeah, I'm definitely intending to watch it. Uh, f- a friend of our podcast, um, Chris Maffey, he does a podcast called Pro Wrestling Repackaged that looks at wrestling TV shows. And their next season is looking at heels as it airs. Um, and yeah, I definitely intend to watch it. I, f- I assume at some point it's going to come on Stars Play over here in Britain. Um, and they've always got some like really cheap trials going on. Um, I've dipped in and out. They had like uh, the Doom Patrol show on there, um, as well as I think it's called The Act. It's a thing that. Uh, Patricia Arquette won a bunch of awards for about uh, faking her daughter's terminal illness and getting like um, like publicity and scamming people out of that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, I've seen a few shots of CM Punk's character and it looks proper funny. I've actually not got up to him being in there yet. Um, I did spot a very brief cameo from um, Luke Gallows in a battle royal, um, and so far, I think it's a it's a reasonably good look at, at wrestling um, in a regional territory. The only part that's really made me sort of you know shake my head in disbelief was when they had a bar fight and a girl hurricane ran at a guy on on the pavement outside. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, other than that, it's actually been pretty decent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right. Well, with that being said, we um, head over to the dessert, and that is SmackDown. <laughs> 
Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler, um, thank God, are in commentary. Um, no Doc Hendricks this time around, thankfully. <laughs> oh, Triple H hates the Undertaker! <laughs> Can you believe that Triple H and Stone Cold this Sunday at No Mercy are going to go head-to-head, Michael Cole? <laughs> well, I mean, he's going to be the special guest enforcer. That's not going to happen. <laughs> um, and we start this one with Road Dog and um, with badass Billy Gunn taking on Chris Jericho, who comes out with Mr. Hughes. The Road Dog spiel is insanely over here. I know I say it all the time, but I'm actually going to splice it in and just listen to the crowd here. They're incredibly over. And I thought it was cute they were wearing each other's t-shirts too. Yeah, they're back together. Road Dog meets Jericho in the aisle and they brawl along the outside. This lasts about 10 seconds and then the Hollies come out. Um, Road Dog tosses the ref. Um, we get a DDT and then he nails Mr. Hughes. Billy Gunn gets a table, um, but Hughes brawls with Billy Gunn. The Hollies jump in and put the Road Dog through the table and then beat down the New Age Outlaws. So Road Dog doesn't get his re- revenge on Chris Jericho, and it looks like the Outlaws are moving on to their next feud with the Holly Cousins. Yeah, right. There's, there's just too much going on here immediately. I, I like when the Hollies came out and Bob went, Michael Cole, you better shut your hole right now. <laughs> to me this felt like Chris Jericho um, they, they couldn't afford to they didn't want to put Road Dog over Chris Jericho because Road Dog's far more over but they weren't um, sorry they couldn't put Chris Jericho over Road Dog because Road Dog is far more over but they're not ready to give up on the Jericho experiment yet so they're just going to separate them that's how that felt to me yeah it felt like they'd 
brushed past like two other things like the the overall message from this is oh the hollies are next in line for the title shot but it totally glossed over the story between road dog and jericho and then road dog shit canning the ref out of nowhere just blindsided me and then it reminded me oh this is playing into the terms of the ref strike being settled as well so that's another thing that got completely blown past yeah, a bit too much going on for one segment, but um, <laughs> the crowd were definitely into it. Yeah, that's true. Lillian Garcia is then with Vince McMahon, who talks about the British Bulldog taking on Triple H. Says China's barred from ringside. The Rock will be the special guest referee, and um, says something about Triple H getting a twenty-five thousand dollar fine as well. Yeah, he hit a referee on Raw, I think it was, and that made me question. Okay, what about Road Dog? Yeah, he could be up for a big fine as well. should hope so. We then go to a rather uncomfortable segment, <laughs> which I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> I'm going to have to play to, um, like, for everybody to understand what's going on here. I want to let you know something, right? I have two beautiful women back there, and I'm a very busy man. So what is it you want? Because it's not my birthday. Well... I know what you've got in your pants, and I want it. What? what? No. <laughs> hey. That's a pretty good line. <laughs> wait, wait. Let me make that a little bit clearer. I know what you've got in your pants, and damn it, I need it. What, what, wait a minute here. He's going to have to get in line, actually. <laughs> oh, so, now, so now you're going to be shy. I'll tell you what I'll do. I will turn my back. Just whip it out and give it to me. Holy mackerel! This is your life, Mick Foley. Mick, turn back around and look at me. Hey, he's already got two girls back there doing that. <laughs> the big Balboski does never swings that way. But let me let me describe it for you, okay? It's about this long. What? How does he know? It's white. White. And it's got a big, beautiful head on it. <laughs> What? Wait a minute. And I'll tell you what, damn it. Either you reach into your pants, you whip it out, and you place it in my hand. Uh, Mick, this is network TV. Oh, so help me. I'll reach into your pants, I'll whip it out, and I'll stick it in your whoa, whoa, damn whoa, whoa, mouth. Whoa, whoa. What? Whoa, 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 Mick. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I had no idea you were like this, Mick. I had absolutely no idea you were like this. I didn't know he was lighting the loafers. Let me make one thing very clear right here, right now. The big Balboski only putts from one side of the green. I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but I want you to take a look at this. Yep, it's um, Mankind calling out Val Venus, who wants what is in his pants. This is just as awkward as it gets. No, no, you don't get it, Lee. He needs it. Come on, whip it out and give it to him. <laughs> Put it in my hand. <laughs> it's um, Mr. Rocco that he's referring to, but we got one of the um, the cheesiest Mick Foley promos just trying to come up with double entendres to ask for a sock back. Yeah, those GTV footage that showed Val nicked it from the garbage, maybe, and stuffed it in his pants. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is a weird segment. I remember reading about this in Mick's book and just thinking, 
what the hell? Who thought this is a good idea? Yeah, I'm not sure what they were trying to achieve. Um, and this ends with um, the big Valboski pretending he's going to give it back and then low-blowing Mick and keeping the suck. Uh, that's a bit later, I think. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Uh, he comes There's out more later to come. on, doesn't he? There's more to come. Sorry, I've skipped ahead of my notes. <laughs> that's how it's going to end later. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I watched this a while back. (laughs) (laughs) Fans, if you intend to join the competition, well, Mick Foley, he's going to get testicular clawed by Val Venus. That'll put butts (laughs) in the seat. (laughs) Immediately, nobody turns over. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We see Triple H and China approaching Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon. But Lillian Garcia is then with The Rock to cut a promo. Um, this is not one of his better efforts, to be honest. I, I didn't really love this one. No, nothing really notable. Uh, just, you know, he's going to stick Davy's nose up. Um, no, Triple H's nose up Davy's arse. I don't know why Davy's arse is the most prominent part of the Bulldog. but. <laughs> um, and then we go to the first match in the Terry Invitational Tournament. Edge and Christian taking on the new brood, a.k.a. the Hardy Boys. Terry comes out and... um, What have I got here? Oh, Jimmy Corderas boots Gangrel from ringside. Um, and it looks as though this is the... Um, it felt as though pretty, pretty quickly that Gangrel was being shifted out of this feud and Terry was being inserted in. Did you get that impression right from the first entrance or am I reading more into it because I know where it's heading? No, I kind of feel that too. Like from the opening moments, like the Hardys with their classic theme, but doing the Ring of Fire brood thing, that would just look totally cursed. Just such a wrong fit. Um, and yeah, um, I mean, you know, so those aren't aware, the TIT tournament is Terry putting up $100,000 of her own money and quote unquote her services to the winning team in this best of five series. So, you know, if you've got basically a manager of your own and you're out there competing for a new manager, the writing's kind of on the wall here, isn't it? Exactly. It's a fast-paced match. Um, the Hardys get started with poetry in motion, and then Jeff hits a swanton bomb, which only gets a two-count. It's still a transition move here. Matt Hardy with a second rope, <laughs> second rope leg drop for a two some spin kicks by Edge, a four-man brawl, and they hit a stack-up superplex for the one, two, three, do Edge and Christian, who go one nil up in the tit. Yeah, it's so weird seeing the Swanton Bomb, or the Senton Bomb, as it was still known, just being another move. This was super quick, just a bunch of moves, but, you know, they chose memorable ones, and that really made them stand out. It's, It's an exciting match. Yeah, definitely. Fast paced, quick, didn't outstay its welcome, and better things to come. Definitely. Did you hear King insist that the trophy should be called the Ride Her Cup? No, I did not hear that. I would oh. have definitely taken note. <laughs> Jesus. We get a Bulldog promo, and then we see the Rock and Sock connection chatting about Mr. Rocco. Um, Rock being quite disingenuous about it being lost. And we see Shane McMahon speaking with Stone Cold Steve Austin. All these quick um, transition cutscenes remind me of the early SmackDown video games. 
Yeah, very quick. You missed Heather Kozar from Shasta McNasty is also at ringside. I don't have a clue who that person is or what that show is. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> Rock and Mick had some good lines because Rock didn't seem to know who Val Venus was. And Mick was like, you know, the guy who always talks about his huge ego. And Rock comes around and says, oh, right, the guy who's always talking about his cockamamie stories about himself. <laughs> it's just um, one of those, it's one of those nights <laughs> for these kind of jokes. <laughs> we then go straight into create a pay-per-view from SmackDown, talking about the video games, because D'Lo Brown defends his European title against the big show with Albert and Draws on commentary at ringside. What is this? <laughs> out of nowhere right um apparently draws puked on d'lo on raw this week lovely and about bloody time he learned how to do that on command for <laughs> since in beyond the mat he failed miserably he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna puke <laughs> oh d'lo runs out and hits the big show um we get a, a big show suplex a D'Lo second rope clothesline and a frog splash only gets him a two. The Big Show hits a powerbomb, but then Albert comes in. Show powerbombs him after surviving a low blow. Draws attacks D'Lo Brown. Um, I don't like where this one's going, unfortunately, um, on a more serious note. Mark Henry comes out and makes a save, and D'Lo's not happy about it uh, before Mark Henry gets on the microphone and admits his addiction, crying. No, he's not addicted to drugs or alcohol. He's addicted to sex. And he comes, he, he's, he, he's like, my mom's got to see this. I'm like, well, don't confess to it on national TV, then. <laughs> you might want to tell her first. I think he might have been telling the writers that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, fair play to him. He gave it socks. Did you see he was actually crying in this promo? Yeah, I cannot believe he managed to pull off real tears for this shit. That was, um, he deserves an Oscar. Yeah, no wonder when his contract was up, he was like, I'm going Hollywood. <laughs> oh, man, this was, um, yeah, right a minute. None of it made any sense, but there it was. Yeah, especially the finish of the actual match. So Big Show powerbombed. D'Lo and then just sent him under the bottom rope which made zero sense and then I don't know where the DQ came in from the schmars or who actually won but you know the match itself was just kind of there and I thought the non-finish was stupid. Indeed. <laughs> um, we then see Test and Stephanie McMahon talking about wedding dresses. Um, bit of a bit of a strange one that. I don't think Test is actually supposed to see her dress before the wedding but it is what it is. Um, and then we go into our next match, which is what I was really looking forward to. It's the Acolytes versus Kane and X-Pac versus Dudley Boys. What an eclectic mix of... Um, it feels like th these three teams don't all belong in the same era of match, but um, uh, here we are. It, it, Kane and X-Pac just feel like they're a sort of 1999 team and the Dudleys feel like a 2000 team in my memory. Yeah, it's uh, like I... I have very little knowledge of this uh, kind of time point, and I I was surprised that Dudley turned up as early as they did. Um, so yeah, it's, it's strange seeing this mix of teams. It's a triple threat tag team elimination match, 
And in the entrances, Bubba Ray comes out wearing the Rock's jacket. What Do these guys not get paid that if anyone leaves anything backstage, they pick it up? <laughs> I don't get the attachment here. Speaking of not getting paid, you see who snitched him out to Mick? Um, was it Stevie Richards? Stevie Richards, and he's still doing his imitation gimmick, and he was dressed as Dude Love. Oh, man, this is um, hard to keep up with. Actually, I I did enjoy the Steve. It just was mixed amongst a lot of other gimmicks on this show. Yeah, I think he was still in the kind of dying days of that when I started I remember him doing it dressed as I remember him doing it with Val Venus, that was it. The symbols on his chest were the UPN logo. Hopefully we've still got that to come. <laughs> Kane hits a nice lifting choke on Devon, and then a DDT on Bradshaw. We get a SOS slam for on Bradshaw, and then an X-Pac spin kick before Farouk hits a power slam for a two. He shoves a ref, and the acolytes are DQ'd, so still um, a bit of referee abuse still going on. Yeah, for sure. And uh, speaking of abuse, when he got that decision, Farouk promptly kicked pack up the butt before he left <laughs> that's a weird one quick toe in the hole yeah <laughs> kane cleans house on the dudleys hits a nice top rope clothesline for a two x park hits a bronco buster and kane finishes them off with a choke slam for the one two three the acolytes then come back and take out kane and hit a wicked double power bomb on x park as we go out to commercial Kane as well hit a lovely drop kick on Bubba, which I enjoyed. This was, it's kind of a pattern here. It's way too quick, but it didn't have the chance to get actively bad, and I enjoyed the Acolyte's cool moveset. Yeah, me too. And Kane and X-Pac are probably my favourite ever thrown-together team. Um, there's been, over the years in WWE, a thousand thrown-together tag teams that last less than six months, and of all those, these are my favourite. <laughs> Kane's proper good at that. Like he had RVD as well, and even his team with the Big Show was quite good. I think Spike Dudley at one point as well. Yeah. So yeah, he's tagged with everyone. Um, Daniel Bryan, Undertaker, <laughs> Mankind. <laughs> That's actually quite a lot when I think about it. Yeah. Um, we then see Mankind approach Bubba, uh, looking for his jacket back, and the highlight of this is he calls him a jerk. Um, I'll splice a little bit of this really awful exchange in for everybody here. Wow. Smackdown, and during the break, Mankind caught up with a Bubba Ray Dudley in his rock and sock jacket. You want this jacket, boy? You're going to have to come and get it. Freak. Okay. You're challenging me? You don't want none of me. I don't know if you remember Cindy Margolis from a few weeks ago. She's with that Heather lady at ringside as well, which uh, kind of foreshadows what we've got coming next i guess <laughs> jeff jarrett comes out um with domestic appliances and he spots cindy and heather in the crowd from shasta mcnasty um we've heard that about a hundred times but i still have no idea what it is and wasn't bothered enough to look it up <laughs> <laughs> um 
Deborah's back out um, with Moolah and May, Jacqueline, Lillian, um, all the women that he's heard over the weeks, um, the stagehand whose name I don't know, um, and they go after... Um, Sorry, they go after comes out, and all the girls hit him with weapons. He legs it to the back to a big pop with all the girls standing tall, um, and then Muller and Mae Young go and attack the king and try and plant a few on him, which is just oh, this this was funny but a mess. <laughs> yeah, so it. Jarrett's basically, he's promising China will get her rematch, but it will be the good housekeeping way. And then, so he's inviting any woman to come and get their carpet cleaned. And then when Deborah arrived, he wondered if her carpet was a little dirty. It sure was something. If you want any indication that Russo isn't gone yet, here it is. Mankind's still after his jacket. Um, it seems like The Rock tosses stuff out and is playing dumb. We then go to Terry Taylor interviewing Jim Dotson, the head of security, um, talking about him restraining Steve Blackman on Raw, and Blackman comes out and attacks him. Random Steve, random Steve, beating up security. <laughs> That was as random as it gets, a feud with the security guard. Yeah! <laughs> like, what the hell? We then get Mankind versus Bubba, um, I think for possession of The Rock's jacket, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, it's a quick slugfest for about three seconds, and Val Venus comes out with Rocco. Stevie comes out and hits a Stevie kick to Bubba. Mankind gets the jacket, but he then gets a ball claw and the Dudleys attack him and rip up the jacket as we go to commercial. Nobody wants to see the Mankind be happy with the rock. Oh, poor guy. Val, when he was like playing nice with Mick at the start of this, he's like, hey, no, I respect you because my paycheck went way up because of that Hell in a Cell match. (laughs) Yeah. I also thought Michael Cole's outrage at the end of this was funny. He's like, Val's keeping the darn sock. <laughs> like, how do they muster any enthusiasm about this? <laughs> Our boot of the week is a British Bulldog costing The Rock the title on Raw, and that's probably going to come into play very soon. Where's my title shot? You had your title shot. Where's my title shot? You had your title shot. Where's my title shot? You had your title shot. It's now time for the British Bulldog to get his title shot against Triple H and The Rock is the special guest referee. You call that a title shot? (laughs) We get a Rock promo to start off with and then The Rock brawls with the British Bulldog before Triple H comes out. They brawl on the floor. Triple H um, covers the Bulldog at one point and The Rock ignores him. The Bulldog hits a low blow and we see Austin watching backstage. They brawl along the outside as Cole says that China is barred from ringside again. We get a Triple H pedigree and the Rock claps but doesn't count. Rock and Triple H brawl and he hits a Rock bottom. Um, And then the Bulldog goes for the pin and we get a classic moment that is lived with my memory for a long time. One, two, it doesn't matter if the Rock counts to three. (laughs) Brilliant. And what I love as well is Rock's still got his shades on throughout so much of this. Like, he rock-bottoms Triple H and he's still got his shades on. It's brilliant. 
But as he runs at him, my friend just snatches him up in like a sidewalk slam on like the like the, the grass and <laughs> goes down for a cover. And I dropped down and did that exact one, two. It doesn't matter if the rock counts to three. What fucking losers were we? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my lord! I must have thought that was cool at the time, and that is probably a good reason why half the girls in the school were not interested in talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my word! Um, the bulldog <laughs> gets um, gets a belt. The rock takes it, nails both of them, and hits the smoothest people's elbow of all time. The second memory of this match that will never go away. He slides into it in his loafers. That is a gorgeous people's elbow. It's the best, isn't it? Unbelievable. It's going to be up there. It's going to be that one or the one where The Undertaker sits up and he kicks him back down. They've got to be my two favorite ever (laughs) people's elbows. (laughs) Um, The Rock leaves with the belt And then Triple H finds him out the back Oh sorry Um, Triple H finds out from Mark Eaton Where he went and decks him Triple H goes looking for The Rock And starts nailing stagehands on the way The Rock nails him with the belt And the Bulldog comes in And they brawl some more And then Austin is waiting in Triple H's dressing room And he beats him up to end the show So And this is how you finish a show That like this wasn't booked as badly as Thunder by a long shot, but a lot of things just sort of didn't quite hit the mark. But this is how you send the crowd home happy if a show's not quite hit the mark. You actually get some work out of your biggest stars. And Rock put on a hell of a show here, and the Bulldog and Triple H more than held their part as well. Yeah, um, I mean, that ending was phenomenal. Like, this is one of the best uses of the face in a heel versus heel match I can think of. Just everything about Rock's performance here, attempting to run the show, basically. It was, it was incredible. Like, you know, keeping his glasses on, going out on commentary, the fake out on the count, the sliding of the people's elbow. It's it's no wonder he surpassed Austin after this. It was just phenomenal. It's a great close. Like you say, it was a hectic show. It's like about an hour and ten minutes on the network instead of the usual hour and a half or something. So I don't know what was kind of pressing them for time. A lot of the times um, when people were entering, like the entrances were happening, they just cut straight to them. It's like, oh, right, these guys are in the ring now. we got a match coming up. And you know, they, were, they were trying to save on time in places. I, I don't know if there was some kind of like real-world event or something. Yeah, I'm not sure, but um, it definitely went a mile a minute. But I I would imagine being a tape show, they probably had some control over that and it still seemed pretty frantic. Um, but yeah, overall, reasonably enjoyable. Not as good as some of the others, but a great ending. Yeah, I kind of... I found it one of the most enjoyable episodes we've done, to be honest. Like, even when stuff didn't hit the mark, um, I was sent home happy by that ending. That was just tremendous. I agree. And look, to put it into context, as I said earlier, I don't feel the need to do any ratings. The WWF wins all five categories for me. (laughs) (laughs) Duncan, do you have a single category that you think Thunder could take from them? No, we're we're going 10-0, right? 
10 nil. This is, if I could add an extra category in to make it 12, I'd do it. <laughs> this was the most, I, I've i been doing this podcast a few years now and my memory's shocking. So, you know, I really struggle to remember the shows that I watched in the early goings, but I can't recall two shows being as far apart at the end as these two. A whitewash, totally. Yeah, just Funder might as well just raise the white flag and say, "Yeah, okay, we're we're not interested." Yeah, this was like Barcelona playing fucking Hull. <laughs> ah, but can they get it done on a wet Tuesday night in Stokeville? <laughs> a wet Thursday night in Thunder. That's what this was. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um. Total domination. Really enjoyed SmackDown. Really didn't enjoy Thunder. And yeah, there's not much. Oh, thinking that Thunder's even making me go to sleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's not much more I can say. Um, just yeah, total domination. Yeah. That will do it for this episode. Um, Really great to get two more episodes banged out. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to what where SmackDown heads next. Um, I think we've got some good stuff coming up as we work through the Good Housekeeping match and China's inauguration as the Intercontinental Champion. And, um, yeah, some other big storylines come up in late 99 here to follow as well. So lots of interesting things coming up there. Thunder, I actually just hope they can book some relevant people on the next show and I'll be happy. <laughs> we'll wait and see how they do with that but I'm still anticipating this changing the balance of power I want to see how this comes into play exactly well that'll give us something to look forward to if nothing else for you guys over on then now whatever Royal Rumble 2001 right that's right yeah I think since the last time I was on uh, we actually released two episodes both of which will be of interest to Roy's Nitro Listeners, because your uh, your um, your very gracious host is on both of those shows, so we watched a SmackDown episode from mid October in two thousand because it was one that Lee had recorded for him when he was growing up. Um, a bit of action, um, Rikishi just <laughs> did it for The Rock, etc., etc. Um, that's all good stuff and then as Lee said our most recent episode is the 2001 Royal Rumble one of WWF's possibly best ever shows Um, lots of good stuff and debates about the experience about watching that on Channel 4 and yeah Lee writes in with some of his thoughts at the end too because that's a slightly significant show for him so go check those out Uh, if you're not following us on SoundCloud and uh, Apple Podcasts etc already Go ahead and find us on Twitter at TNW Podcast. Next show is going to be Backlash 2001, which is the next time that the WWF had a pay-per-view on Channel 4. It's something that I taped off the telly. It's the first time I realised I could do that, and I was so excited. Oh, that's a bloody good show as well, that Backlash. Oh, yeah. Oh, hang on. No, no, no. Oh, I'm th- actually thinking of Backlash 2000. But 2001, actually, I think is a good show as well. Um, Jericho Benoit, is it? Ben- Jericho and Benoit was 2000. Oh, Benoit Angle. Yeah, Benoit and Angle, the 30-minute ultimate submission match. Yeah, that's a bloody good oh, match. Yeah, yeah I'm, looking f- I'm looking forward to hearing that one. Those 2001 pay-per-views, actually, I... Um, 
I ordered every pay-per-view all year, including the UK show. So um, that's a good year for me. Nice, yeah. 2001 was another excellent year for pay-per-view, I'd say. Absolutely. Well, looking forward to listening to that. Um, On the show here, we've got more Raw and Nitro coming up. And then, as I mentioned earlier, some TNA versus Raw. And then Richie and I will get back together and hook up with some early Raw and Saturday night in the near future as well. So lots of stuff happening. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And thanks once again, Duncan, for coming on. Pleasure as always, Lee. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next time.